Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Knoxville Game Design Meetup Group Chat Podcast. Once again, I didn't stop to like just call it Game Design Chat. Welcome to Game Design Chat. We just started over. Uh, it is Sunday, July 10th. Our game this month is Franbo that we're going to be discussing. Just a heads up, we're discussing the full game as game designers, so there will be spoilers all over the place. And given that this is an adventure-type game, that sort of has a mystery component to its story. Big spoilers for, uh, in, you know, as we discuss any of the endings on that. So the magic of a podcast or YouTube video, however you're watching this, is you can pause it, go play the game, and then come back and play this. In fact, you can go to any of the games that we have done on Game Design Chat uh, after you've played them and then go back and listen to it. Um, and, and see what we thought as game designers. And then the second big caveat up at the front is we're approaching this as game designers, not reviewers. And we tend to be very, very critical on very, very small, minute things that don't really ruin the enjoyment of the game as a whole. So just remember, we're not reviewing the game. The games are generally we're positive on, even though we sound really negative. Uh, as parts, that's because we're picking apart it to learn uh, about its game design and how we can apply it to our own. Our next game coming up is going to be Anodyne. Um, and it's a Zelda-like, or original Legend of Zelda-like. Uh, it's even a 4x3 aspect ratio, it appears to be. Uh, and apparently it came out in 2013 and made some critical reviews. I missed it, but apparently I already owned it. So... Um, I think a couple of us here looked at our stream yeah. and we already owned it. So we picked it up in the Humble Bundle at some part. So you may already own this game if you're the kind of person who's backed Humble Bundles. Uh, and you can check it. So you've got now until then to play it. And we've actually gone one further out and scheduled Barony as our September game. So August is Anodyne. Barony is September. Barony looks to be a throwback to the Ultima Underworlds. Uh, and the dawn of 3D dungeon crawling. Um, so it looks pretty good as well when we get to that. So real quick, we're going to run around the room and start with Levi, and we'll go around that way. What have you been playing or making? Uh, yeah, so I played a few games over the last month or so. I uh, played the very controversial Mighty Number no. 9. Uh, I wasn't part of the whole Kickstarter controversy and all that. I just picked it up on the PlayStation Network. So you weren't a backer? I wasn't a backer. Okay. So I'm coming from like a clean slate and everything. I thought it was an okay game. That's an unpopular opinion, but... I mean, it's Mega Man. I mean, what are people expecting of it? I mean, I've heard um, from a lot of other sources that if you can step back, it's just an okay platformer. There's not anything great, not anything terrible about it. And that if you were a backer, the emotional roller coaster, if you stayed up on announcements and what was going on, and when they launched multiple Kickstarters and then terrible ads and they mocked anime fans, even oh, though they yeah. kickstarted an anime and all of that, turns it from an okay game to worse. Um, I, and I thought the boss battles were well done. The levels could have used some more work, and I know some of the like later parts of the game were a little bit glitchy, so it looked like it could have used like some more time in the oven there. But I thought it was a fine game for a twenty dollars game. I got it for twenty dollars off the PlayStation Network. I think if you buy the box, it's like. 30 and i think that's it would have been a great game for 15 
Um, also still playing Odin Sphere. I'm on my last character. So this is like my favorite game from PlayStation 2. And there's five different characters in the game. They all have like a unique story, but they kind of intertwine with each other. So I'm about- Since you mentioned it, I've heard it in like three of my games, game podcasts that I listened to made reference to like the rebreaks and I'm like, oh, I'm going back and playing this and it's an awesome game and I loved it. So it's like moved it up on my like, keep an eye out. PlayStation has sales all the time. When it pops up, maybe I'll grab it. Yeah, definitely like an action RPG, but still like side, I wouldn't call it a platformer, but side scrolling. Uh, and also, I know one of your favorites, I downloaded Pokemon Go the other day. <laughs> I've been playing Pokemon Go, I've too. I've been catching them all, and uh. you got to catch them all. And I got a gym, like, right at the park near my house, which is very helpful. I haven't been able to battle or anything yet, so I'm still in the phase of just collecting. So I think I just reached level five. Today, I got to be able to go battle, and um, it's it's just as terrible to me as the rest of the game. <laughs> Uh, the battle isn't a Pokemon battle. You don't, like, pick moves and do counters. You play this swiping minigame. Oh, okay. And it goes really fast. And so, like, the first time it was over before I knew what was going on, um, it doesn't even throw you to a menu of, like, oh, your Pokemon just got knocked out. Which of the next Pokemon are you going to... Which of your six? Like, you pick the six going in. Mm-hmm. Which one are going out next? It just auto-throws out the next one. Oh, okay. And if you hit the little menu... To say, no, I want to switch. The battle's still going on while you're in the menu, Dark Souls style. So then it's like, oh, well, I don't have to take him back because he's dead too. And when you go to a gym, you don't get to see the six you're up against. You just Mm -hmm. get to see, like, the one that looks like it's claimed the gym. Oh, okay. So, like, people are realizing, like, hey, that's the first Pokemon. So it likes, hey, this gym is occupied by a level 24 Pidgey. Like, well, I can stomp that. No problem. Oh, wait, the rest of his ones are level 600 and 700. And it really feels pay to win very fast because just learning how to do a gym, I blew through my revives that they start you with. And then it's like, oh, I'm done here. And the only way I can get revives is to walk randomly around the place and tap Pokestops and hope they drop a revive because they might drop balls that I don't need. Um, yeah, I've been like driving around out in Oak Ridge, which is just outside of Knoxville, like going, I know where all the churches in Oak Ridge are now because they're all Pokestops and I can. <laughs> all like, churches and all graveyards <laughs> seem to be gyms and Pokestops. I would feel really uncomfortable driving around Oak Ridge given, you know. Oh, yeah. There's know, been people I've seen stopped like, at the side of the road with their phone and it's just like, I didn't check, but that's a Pokestop, isn't it? That's like you're, you're near something. Um, now, Ironically, the gym, the the actual physical gym at work, our our private gym, is a Pokemon gym as well. And I did go there when one of the guys went down and claimed it at work. He was like, I were at lunch, I went and I claimed it. And I was just like, is that the first time you set foot in our gym? I was like in Best Buy the other day, and it's just like filled with Pokemon there. So I'm like going yeah. around catching them, and I got all these like Best Buy employees coming up. It's like, can we help you? <laughs> like, like, no, no, go away. Like, I'm, I'm just collecting my Pokemon exactly. here. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to keep messing with it. I just kind of want to want to ride it out. I have a fear that the game's going to taper off really fast because unless something there's a mechanic I'm missing, the people who have spent money to level up Pokemon are just going to dominate the gym. Like they're already like. I thought I was doing good to have like a level, I got um, a Ratatata to like, whose name Pestilence, by the way, because of course, 
Uh, that's been my most fun in the game. It's been naming the Pokemon uh, that I catch. Um, and then I realized, like, ooh, some of these are going to look really weird when they're in front of a church. But that's not my call. But um, I'm, yeah, I'm worried that the people who pay are going to just way outpace the people who aren't putting money in the system. And there's not going to really be a method to catch up. So I just kind of want to ride this out and see, does this stay as popular or does it fit it? But man, could you imagine how awesome this game would be if they did actual Pokemon style fighting? Oh, yeah. You know, which, come on, why can't you implement that? That's like the most basic rock, paper, scissors thing. And... If I could just battle Levi here, if I could just say, hey, Levi, you want to battle? And it's like, I can't trade or battle with Levi. I can only do it through the interface. And it's like, you guys missed so much of what Pokemon is. It's amazing. Some kind of local co-op even, just to acknowledge that you and your friend both play and phone bump. Yeah. Bonus. I almost think, though, that there's another interesting game design issue coming up here, which is, from what I've heard, it's basically Ingress with a Pokemon, Pokemon theme, which is bad in the sense of you guys are expecting a Pokemon game. It's good in the sense of this is kind of bringing a genre of alternate reality games that I would not have touched. I heard people talking about Ingress and I was like, man, that sounds like a commitment. That sounds weird. But Pokemon Go, sure, I'll download that. So it may be kind of introducing concepts that you know some other game will come come through and do better yeah Yeah. i usually play until i can get to that paywall and that's one thing that i really liked about clash of clans which i played for about a year or so i mean i never had to actually pay but i mean some people could pay and like get. we talked about clash of clans right before you you got here uh for that exact reason it was the game that i played up to you felt a very real paywall and it's like you don't go past level seven without spending money this game seems like there's going to be a meta like whatever the people in if if there's someone in your area who's paying on another team then you're going to have to pay to compete if not then it's going to be you know let's just go around and collect what we can find the the low populated graveyards like we'll out explore other people and out collect other people well, it's interesting for me, coming from the countryside, we, there's not a whole lot populated in the game. Yes, yeah, so you there. have an advantage. Though, well, there's, I think there's only one gym in our town and a couple Pokestops, so I'm actually running low Oh, okay, so I thought you'd have an advantage That's... in, like, the Pokestop and gym distribution would be even, not cut back. So that actually sucks well, I found because... There's, there's two Pokestops, one near the house and one on the way to work. Because controlling a gym... <laughs> is the way that you get resources without paying. Let's see, the, the gym in town already has like a 700-something Volteon sitting on it, so I don't know how to that, yeah. get them out of there. And I haven't done the battle yet. I just got to level 5. Coming into Knoxville today um, was fun, because that was the first time I really got to see the map have a whole bunch of different things to do. And I did walk around and hit the church and the graveyard. Yeah, they're all over the place <laughs> right in this area. It's, it's nothing like around that. Around the old city. I mean, the- Nashville's nothing if we don't have a lot of churches and graveyards. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I saw some more it's like Tennessee has like the highest per capita for churches of any state in the country. What's really weird is it seems to be inconsistent. Like I live out in Lenore City, kind of in a suburb, older suburb, near the interstate. Not a lot of Pokestops from my house. I go to my parents' house down in Athens, which is a much smaller town, and there's like 
a Pokestop and a gym at the Mayfields Dairy Farm Visitor so Center. And Ingress, there's a bunch of signs. Companies, what they did before they did, or um, not yeah. Ingress, the company. Niantic, or Nantech. Nantech. Nantech, yeah. What they did before they did Ingress, stuff like that, is they uh, were the company for Google Maps that sourced okay. all the walking route data that and all the landmarks and stuff like that. So, like, they already have this data and database to build these things yeah. off of. It was weird. Like, there was a, there's a park down the road from my parents' house and, like, three or four signs in the park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> had their own Pokestops. Like, wow. if, if I lived wow. there... But one of the know. big ones in town was, is actually Trash Can Fountain. That's what it's labeled in <laughs> wow. Pokemon Go. It's just, yeah, <laughs> that, that is what fascinates me more than anything is where they're getting this information because some of these things are just like, how Graffiti do you... Like, there was, the there's some wood carving <laughs> that looks like it's in a yard near my parents' house that were on there. I was like, what even is this and where would you get it? <laughs> You know, how would you get that in a database? I love that at one of our graveyards, there's three consecutive Pokestops deeper into the graveyard. Ooh. And this isn't one of the, like, cared for. This is one of the, like, older, it's Mount Olive Cemetery. So it's, like, one of the older, not really, like, nobody right. who's being buried there. Like, you can probably find some historic graves there of significance, but it's not a super upkept one. And it's just, like... Do you really have the nerves to walk past, you know, deep into this area with your phone and be occupied? And, you know, uh, not only the creepy aspect, but also the thing I'm worried about is with the emphasis, especially in our area on churches and graveyards. Churches is like a 50-50 of like, they're nice public areas. sitting in the parking lot of this church right now. Sunday school's letting out and everything, like sitting there tapping my Pokemon. But also, I know one of those kids is playing it because that kid keeps retaking this gym. <laughs> and if I find that kid, I'm slapping the phone out of his hand, church or no. But a graveyard seems really wrong. Because, like, what if you, like, pull up and, like, you know, hey, I just yeah. got to get this one little Snorlax and, like, oh, there's a funeral going on right now. But yeah. There's a Snorlax, but there's a funeral, but <laughs> hold on, let me just swipe a couple. Crap, it got away. Now I got to walk around behind the funeral. Don't mind me, guys. I'm sure he was a great man. I'll just let me swipe. Okay, I got it. I'm out of here, you know? I'm also concerned about, like, kids. It's like, oh, there's a Pokemon, like, right across the interstate over here. I'm, I know this oh, is yeah. a new story waiting to happen. Some kid <laughs> walks across the speeding interstate and gets hit. I've seen that sort of commentary of, like, you know, you're going around, you know, there's all manner of problems that this can lead to. I mean, it's good that, you know, it's making people get out and basically take a second look at some of the stuff around them. But at the same time, it's like, no, that stuff still exists. Understand what that stuff is in the real world. Don't then just there, get caught up in the game. There's also the eggs that you can incubate, and that's based on how far you walk. So it's like getting people out. And you have an egg? Yeah, I do. I have two eggs. How'd you get I, eggs? Uh, one of the churches in the Pokestops. I go to more churches. Okay. <laughs> I haven't still gotten an egg yet. <laughs> Church attendance is just going to be I mean, booming I now. Did get, Pokemon I did game. get an execute. Yeah. You know, the, the egg Pokemon. Close. This which, is an actual egg. Yeah, it looks like a an egg, Yoshi egg. Which I named my execute Twitter. So I can't wait to like make him a leader of a gym somewhere. But anyway, we should press on. We, <laughs> yeah, we, so, do, we do have a, a Doduo out there by the black pickup truck. Oh, oh do we? Yeah. No. Okay. Oh, well, I'll also quickly we'll fight for that after this podcast. <laughs> I'll quickly mention that I have been developing for the latest Mini Ludum Dare, a game called Express Lane, which is kind of a spinoff of my Bag Boy game, but it's kind of just like a queuing simulation. 
really geeky stuff. So I just basically have a text uh, display now for it, but I am working on it. I've seen the screenshots of this. Is this going to be like an idle game or is this more of an active? It's basically just Sim. a simulation right now. So oh, you can actually simulation. You can like uh, increase the number of customers coming into your store and then basically the simulation takes over. The people find which lane to get into. You can make certain lanes like express lanes and you can turn them on and off and you get like the uh, amount of goods that you're selling per time and then customers can get angry if the cashier is slow enough and the cashiers <laughs> have a rating so they can either ring things up slowly or quickly. And also, they put I think things. I did this, and it was Yogo Burger. Uh, it's do the cashiers take tips? I guess is the question. Yeah, the cashiers don't take tips. And then they, can they spend no. their tips to bribe the customers for good reviews? Every item has a price associated with it, and based on how fast they bring it up, the customer will or will not leave based on that. That does seem interesting because it seems like to build this into a game, it's like figure out you know number of lanes open, which ones are express lanes give the player variables to tweak, but then you've got lots of alternate win conditions. Like, you know, make sure that all the, you know, cashiers are, you know. Like, okay, in this period of time, you bring in this amount of money, or I could also like add- Items per minute or something. Yeah, I was thinking about having inventory added. So, oh, you have to add new- order new inventory because the people come in with a shopping list and then if something's not on their shopping list in the store then that lowers their happiness and they'll leave angry after that so yeah it's a fun little project i'm just geek out over the queuing aspect of it so it's like if i have so many customers in a lane then another lane opens up or somebody leaves this lane then somebody will leave that lane and get into a shorter lane if the number of items in their cart matches the requirements for that express line, if it is an express line. Um, I've mostly been uh, playing Overwatch still. Um, competitive modes open uh, opening up, and I think I kind of hit a wall of like, oh man, I can't do it. Like it gets too salty and too competitive and too I heard that a lot too hardcore about, uh, and a lot competitive. Of people I know playing Overwatch is like competitive mode is actually not that great it's getting really toxic and well it's it's never been that bad for me but it's like you'll either like i i started at 45 and i'm at like the mid to low 30s now like i just kept getting you know like creamed by a bunch of people and that seems to be the way it goes i don't know what you can do about that because they're averaging out players uh rankings the thing that's um but yeah, the thing that's tough about it is, one, it's more competitive, it's a little bit faster paced, and then a lot of times you do get the people who, well, you, you're all terrible, you know, when you lose. And you're like, no, man, I, I was behind this other person healing them, and we were both on fire. I think I saw you in play of the game, but that was it, you know? Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what is the thing? You're supposed to be pushing the point, pushing the cart. What's yeah. The thing everybody young? Payload. Payload. Push the payload. Yeah. Like, where were you at the payload? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, other than that, been putting uh, one of my games on Google Play, building an uh, electronic fireworks or electric uh, fireworks launcher for the fourth. That was a big thing. I saw your YouTube video or your Instagram on that. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really cool. We just you get electric matches. <laughs> we wired up a bunch of Ethernet. We built like a 60-foot cable and... Only set the fireworks stand on fire twice. 
That you know, here here's the thing. I, I that was not that was not us. That was well, that was us, but it wasn't my wiring. That was uh, we bought these two boxes. We set them together. We tied them, you know, really close together so we could connect them to the same electric match. It was the wireless system. No, but we only so had what you're two guys. Is it worked in QA? It, no, no, no. On your machine, our system but worked in, in live. Our system worked. It was their system. It was the third party system that had problems. Now that may have been how we set it up, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was there. It was a very amazing uh, firework display that uh, was kind of one of the cool moments when you live in a state like Tennessee and you can set that kind of stuff off because when we set off, it's not legal in a lot of places. <laughs> All right, uh, I've been playing Star Ocean 5 on PS4, or Star Ocean Integrity and Faithlessness, I think it's the subtitle they gave this one. Uh, which is coming off the heels. They've, Star Ocean has really been a, a mainstay JRPG through the generations. And now they is only, that Squaresoft? Or? It's Triace. Triace. Um, I think it's part of the original like Tales team, too. So there's very similar play I played styles. one of the Star Ocean games, I think, for the Xbox 360. I remember I really liked that one. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. <laughs> The Last Hope, I think. Was yeah, yeah, Last Hope. Yeah, that was the Edge Maverick. Yes. Yeah, they've, they've only done one game per console generation. So this is their PS4 take on it, which is... Uh, it's it's not doing too well in mm. critical review, but I've been having fun. I think I'm about 15 hours in, and mm. it's been okay. I really like that you can have seven people in your party at once in a battle. It gets really crazy and fun managing their AI and just the explosions and chaos. Uh, and then Final Fantasy XIV, I, I resubbed this month, which is, I played a lot when 2.0, Realm Reborn had come out, and I was at max level for a while, and then kind of died off interest for a while now, and now I'm just now getting into the expansion content, even though the expansion came out last year. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff to catch up on on that one. It's uh, That's like the one Final Fantasy game I've never played. I mean, I've been played a little bit of 11, played all the 13 trilogies, but never played 14. I didn't get into 11, and then uh, I just... 14 had a rocky start, though. It did. Yeah. It had a lot, multiple relaunches. Uh, I had bought the collector's edition back when it first came out, and I only played a week or two and, and gave up. But then they gave anybody who bought it you had free access to 2.0 when it came out, mm-hmm. uh, and it really did well. It, it it pulled me in from WoW, so mm-hmm. I like Final Fantasy now. Yeah. We didn't introduce Joe, our newest No, member. I realized yeah. that when he was talking. <laughs> um, welcome, Joe, to the uh, the podcast. Um, so Joe's a new member of Knoxville Game Design. Uh, makes makes a trip. I think he breaks Levi's record for driving distance. Oh, yeah. Um, Coming in to, to make it to Knoxville. So uh, welcome here and, and stay at the end. We'll talk about some of the uh, games that he, Joe's made on app stores. You can play now. Um, kind of cool. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, though. Are you? Uh, I was going to say what I'm working on now is uh, a, another side enlist runner. I, I don't have a title yet. I, I call it Fur Fan. That's my project name. It's just Fantasy Endless Runner, F-E-R. That's a. Uh, Going with that for okay. now. <laughs> All right. But it's... Uh, it's I like, mean, I was like thinking like fur? Is he furry? F- He's F-E-R, like, what's going... F-E-R. Okay, F-E-R. Like F-E-R. Fez, okay. but fur. Uh, yeah, Fez the fur. Okay. More like just a small, 
You can tap the left side of the screen to parachute to slow fall mm-hmm. and tap the right side of the screen to shoot bow and arrow. And there's like enemies oh, coming okay. out and blocks and you can get power-ups and stuff and still working out and all that. But it's, it's going well. I just picked up last week a Mac laptop and an iPod. So I'm trying to get set up on iOS store. I've coming from Android uh, and just working on converting them over and the process is very different to get certified on the app store. Uh, but I'm hoping to have stuff coming out on there by the beginning of August. Oh, but, soon. Cool. Um, when we already talked about Pokemon Go, so I'm not bringing it up again, but uh, I played a bit of Paragon, um, which is the, I saw the console video. MOBA. I, I mean, it's on um, PC as well. If you're PlayStation Plus, um, you're in the beta, you can go download it, and there's like some... It's a free-to-play game. Uh, it does it properly where you don't buy heroes. All the heroes are, are included and you're just really looks like cosmetics is what you're going to pay for. You know, you pay for experience boost that gets you stuff to buy cosmetics. So it seems okay in that front. Um, it does have a level gating, uh, like most, uh, MOBAs do. Like until you've played enough, you can't access the full thing. Um, it's... As a game designer, it might be worth looking into. I don't know that it necessarily results in a fun game, but there's a lot of mechanics happening. So the game has an entire deck-building component to it. So instead of having a, a shop like other MOBAs where during the game um, you get in-game gold, not which is weird when you're talking about free-to-play, but in a match, okay, there's gold that you get during the match that goes away. It's just a resource in that match. It's not a resource that you carry over to buy hero skins and stuff. Most moments, you take that gold and you go to a shop, which is a couple places on the map, and you can buy different power-up items that go into a few power-up slots, um, and you upgrade those as the game goes on to enhance or give yourself some extra abilities or do more damage or something like that. Um, so like an example is like very early, you'll pick up like health regen and mana regen items because in the beginning that saves you trips back to the core, or back to your base to refill your mana and something like that. And you can keep, stay out in the field longer. Um, it does the terrible MOBA thing of every individual character has their own leveling to do. You level characters individually. Um, I liked Heroes of the Storm where you level as a team so that less promotes a vitriolic Sort of, because um, there are spots on the map that you get XP faster than other spots on the map. And then, so it's like, well, all right, we let this character take it. So, of course, I'm underleveled because I wasn't on mid. You know, I was, you know, trying to jungle or, you know, playing um, bottom or something. Um, which, for reasons based on the map and the way the map spawn doesn't give you as much XP as the others. Um, so they do that. I wish they wouldn't do that. The... The replacement of the shops um, with this deck building thing is weird because it's not like you're drawing a card in the game. You have all cards as an option and you get card points, which are these that you can spend to put these cards into play. So you build your deck of all the things you may want to have and then you put up to six cards in play at once. But then the cards themselves have different upgrades on a card that you spend card points into. So, like, it's a massive amount of complexity of figuring out how to build out a character and play a character 
in addition to leveling the character up and like what of your five abilities do you spend points on and do you do this one before that one you know do you just race to put all the points into an ultimate before you round out all five of your abilities do you ignore an ability is it situational on a map it's like it's it's amazingly complicated um and then there's still more terrible mode things like last hitting is so important. So like in Dota and League of Legends, if you get the last hit on a uh, NPC mob, okay, a creep, then you get more gold or more experience from that last hit. Not the most damage, but the last hit. Um, so now you can be in a situation where you're kill sniping from your own team to try to get the gold or the card points to level up, you know, your next thing. And it's like this, come on, guys, this is why these games are toxic the way they are, is because there's all this infighting and there's all these systems that are working. So I like this third-person character action view on the MOBA. Um, it makes the world feel a lot cooler. Um, it feels kind of like a Team Fortress-type map, although it looks really much more detailed and all that, and it could be something, but it's just such a cut-and-paste systems work without stopping to think of, like, well, since we're changing it from top-down RTS game engine to third-person engine, what makes sense and what doesn't, and rethink it. And in a lot of ways, like, even though Blizzard kept Heroes of the Storm top-down, they at least stopped and thought, and like, okay, we're going to level the team, not the characters, because... That will promote some teamwork. We're going to put objectives on the map rather than just the same game every time over and over again. I don't expect Paragon to stick. I don't think it's going to be a major like player. I think it's going to be it's going to have its audience that plays it. It's free, so you can just pick it up and go. But I don't think it's going to stick around. But if you're a game designer and you just want to look at a plethora of game mechanics and systems, it's got it. You know, um, there's also a good reason of why not to do that. Makes it sound like it's targeting a more hardcore demographic than Heroes does. But like that, that hardcore demographic <clears throat> hasn't shown a propensity to leave Dota or League of Legends. Like, wherever they're at, it's like, that's their game. It's um, true. Because once you have, I mean, they only have, I think, 30, maybe, maybe it's 25. They don't have many Heroes. But once you hit 100 heroes, learning this hero versus 100 other heroes, like your fighting game, you know, you got 16 fighters. You learn this fighter versus all the other 16. That takes a certain amount of time. Learning the combinations of five man versus five man from a pool of 100, there's a lot more depth. So those people are way invested into those ecosystems than to jump out and switch to a different uh, one. Plus, the cash aspect, too. People. League accounts are worth, you know, thousands of dollars. I mean, the, the international was like $10 million <laughs> this last. It was the pot people were into for the Dota tournament. So that's going to be rough. Um, the, the, there's some unbalanced things. There was a, there was a hero. I called him Bat-Thulu. Um, but it was like a Cthulhu-looking, like, Hulk guy with, like, bat-wing arms. And he moves really fast on the map. And the thing is, is that he moves faster than 90% of the other heroes. And so you could just walk up and keep spamming the punch button and they can't walk away or do anything. It's just like once this guy, you're full health and he has a leap attack. So once he leaps from behind you or beside you, you didn't see him coming and he leaps on you, you're dead. 
and you're going to die in the worst way possible. You're just going to keep getting punched over and over again until you run out because you can't run away because he moves too fast. And so it's like, mm, that's a weird thing to have, you know? And it's like, how does this guy get balanced out? Because he's also a tank with a ton of health. So you can just be, I mean, he's right in front of you. You're just shooting on, you know, you're unloading into him. Unless you're a character that has a huge ultimate one-shot kill thing and it's up at the moment he jumps at you, it's over. So there's a lot of work to be done in that game. It didn't help that their new hero announced is a generic knight named like gray sword or something like it's like the most like did you just hit a fantasy name generator combination <laughs> paladin named G gray sword okay there we go in the game like there's not a it doesn't have like the personality overwatch does on the yeah. heroes to really feel like you can get behind them and that does seem even like something like league of legends that's that has that complexity i guess dota as well it has that complexity but it also has the characters that make people want to care about the complexity i mean my daughter um my, my middle daughter um uh, you know we were playing she was like 12 11 12 when she was playing dota with us all together but she just really loved tiny and to the point where like when i was out i bought her one of the little tiny porcelain figurines that <coughs> tiny is a little tiny rock dude that carries a tree trunk and beats people with tree trunk um, and the tree trunk is like eight times his size. Um, and so he makes like a nice, interesting character design and figure. And it's just, that's missing from this game. Um, it's just a lot of generic bow, generic caster, generic, um, you know, hey, there's your Edgelord Reaper character. So, all right. Well, uh, at this point, we're going to get into Frambo. Um, we're going to let Levi kick us off here and his thoughts and. Okay. Notes on sure this uh, uh, 2D adventure game. Yes, adventure game. Uh, yeah, so I didn't have any idea what this was really going to be coming into it. Uh, I finished it in two sittings. It took me around six hours, and this was developed by Kill Monday Games. And I actually looked into this group. It's a two-person uh, development team, a guy and a girl then from Sweden. I'm not sure if they're married or what the relationship is there, but like he does the programming, and she does all the art assets and things like that. And that reminded me of the very first... Uh, adventure game that I ever played, which was King's Quest VI. And that was also right. Ken a two-person two team. So it's kind of the same thing going on there. So I do like some adventure games. They aren't like my forte or anything, but probably my favorite adventure game was the Space Quest series. I think uh, the first one that I played was Space Quest IV. So it was a little bit more humorous in a space science fiction environment. It had really great voice acting in it by Gary Owens. He was the voice of Laugh-In. From the 70s, and he just passed away not too long ago, a year or two ago. And uh, actually, yeah, I will say they're actually developing a new game uh, uh, in the same vein of Space Quest as the the Andromeda Space Adventure. So that's still in the green light. They're working on it. It's it was yeah. kickstarted a couple years back, yeah. but I don't yeah. think it's shipped yet. Yeah. So I didn't back it, but it's another one I'll pick it up whenever it comes out. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. It didn't sound good about Frambo, because you spent a lot of time talking about all these other adventure oh, yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, like your history. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it has its good points. Uh, I also played Monkey Island on the Xbox 360. It really wasn't my thing, but it's kind of in the same uh, it's kind of dry humor that I didn't get but uh yeah so when i came into this i saw some of the screenshots i thought it was going to be like a new maniac mansion which 
I, I thought was a pretty good game on the NES. Uh, Word I've never really used in a conversation, but macabre. I think it's macabre, but charming. <laughs> so I thought it was going to be the same uh, as that. Uh, but the first chapter of the game is just like, seems like it was just overly gross to me. I mean, especially with the pills going into the alternative world. And it reminded me of some anime, kind of like Dead Man Wonderland or Parasite. It's like, I'm really digging the story and everything. Then it just gets too gross, just gross for, for the sake of being gross. Uh, some of the things about the interface I didn't like, uh, the text choices, it really didn't seem to make a difference on whether I picked the left or right choice. seems like you always selected the left choice to advance the story and like the right choice was just like goodbye or whatever like that. Um, and the selecting the items was felt kind of backwards to traditional adventure games because you actually had to select the item first and then pick what, whether you want to examine or combine or whatever. Typically, you press like the I key or whatever and then... Or like change your cursor. Like you scroll through like your cursors and you'd have like an examine cursor or something. That, that was a point that I basically felt as well. I do wonder if that's something that has changed like... I think we all kind of played like King's Quest and stuff like that, but it, from what little I understand of like the modern adventure genre, not really. I still play these. These are um, couch co-op games in our family. So like two people sit on the couch and you kind of piece it together together. Um, And no, that's like I expect to be able to like scroll my mouse wheel and scroll through my cursors now. I think I tried to uh, drag and drop to combine at first, and I was trying to. Yeah, I didn't get to, like click one, then combine, then click the other. Or I was more used to like maybe a UI element somewhere that you would have just put things together and had it be yeah. intuitive. It didn't feel intuitive. Yeah, exactly. So I think they could have worked that out a little bit better. But uh, yeah, for my first playthrough, played for about two hours on the first chapter. It was really hard for me to come back to the game. I was like, well, I don't want to break my streak of completing these podcast games. Uh, I played it till like 8 a.m. this morning, wrapped it up. Uh, I am glad that I did come back to it, though. Uh, the second chapter was still kind of weird and gruesome. Third chapter, I really liked. I mean, it's kind of like when you go up to, into the sky and you meet the tree world and everything. I thought that was really well, well done. And also, I liked how they built upon the switching of the worlds, because like in the first two chapters, you have the pill that takes you into the alternative world. In the third chapter, you actually had the little device that you can use to switch to seasons, which also changes the world in a different way. Also, in the third world, I thought the tic-tac-toe game was annoying to get the coins to <laughs> give to the blacksmith and the clockmaker. But once I found out the correct way to beat the AI is pretty reliable. and uh, It wasn't, like, perfect. Like, you couldn't find, like, a gimmick of, like, oh, I get a coin every time I do this. But, yeah, there was, like, start in a corner or something, and you can get the AI to make a bad move. But if you played for the center aggressively then the AI would tie you every time. Exactly, because I'm always going for the center, and that really didn't work out for me. But uh, I also found out you pretty much had to go first to win. I mean, if I ever It seemed like, yeah, that was another step of the... And I'm jumping around here in my notes or in the game. Uh, In the very first chapter, I noticed a lot of references to, like, 1944, so I didn't know if there was, like, any tie-in to World War II or if it's just set in that time period for the sake of being in that time period. Um, Also, uh, 
I liked the hide puzzle, the very first puzzle in the game. I thought that was really well done because you could go to the paper and check that out and see the actual how to actually decode that and open the box and get the key. Um, the very okay, I'll save that for the end. Um, and also the notorious uh, month and day puzzle, the December seventeenth and July twenty uh, fifth. I spent some time with that. I knew it was like some combination of seven and twenty five or July for seven and and uh, twelve for December. I didn't think of adding them up together, so I had to get a hint on that to figure that one out. So I mean, I have like an additional gripe on that because if you look at the sheet that was in your hand with that on there, the little thirty one it looked 30, like thirty one was crossed out, yeah, which it should have been thirty two crossed out. For July 7, 25, add them together, you get 32. That's the first, or that's, that's the second or first out. part of the code. But since you crossed out 31, it's like, well, that's not it. 31 is one piece of the solution. So if that's 31, what is December, um, whatever it was, December 7th or whatever, like December 9th, whatever the other part is, like it can't just be 12 plus 9. Because it's not six, it's not seven plus 30. I kept feeling like I was missing something, like an item or a book. It's like, oh, there must be something to tell me how to pull this information together to use it on the alarm. Like, oh. And also the calendar was sort of misleading for me in that situation too. Because when you're in the office and you look at the calendar and she's like, oh, there's October and November on this calendar. And we must be in October. And it's like, okay, well, since they explicitly called that out. Maybe this two months and days thing, I'm supposed to shift somehow to October, November. Um, I had to fact it as well. And I was really pissed when I did because it's like, because of that 31, like that was my first spot I was going to. And it's like, you explicitly shut down and I didn't, seven, so, you know. I think what gave it away for me was there wasn't a zero. Uh, so I think why I tried... Uh, the twelve nineteen or something, but then there was no way to do, oh seven for July. Yeah, and then it just got me thinking numbers, and I just tried it. Well, I, was, I think it was like the fifth thing I tried. That was to add them together. To add them together, yeah. Just I had thought, well, the twelve nineteen didn't work. There's no seven, maybe twenty nine. Like, uh, yeah, okay. So uh, I mean, the, the reason <laughs> that I wasn't trying is because I was certain that thirty one was part of the code because that was the bit you could read to the scratch out. Yeah. And if they just made that scratch out 32, this puzzle works. Like everything's fine. Um, it's because not I'd- the only point where this game, I feel like either through bad design and oversight or are intentionally making a puzzle harder by trying to mislead either. Yeah. Cause like one bad puzzle after that point, it's like, okay, I'm getting a walkthrough and just using walkthrough and blazing through the rest of this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I didn't know if the 31 was significant cause it's kind of scratched out. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to, if this is a part of the puzzle or not. Um, also wanted to mention, so I'm jumping around in the game again at the very end of the game. I really liked the waiting room scene where they got all like the demons in there and they're like have their tickets. That reminded me of the old maniac mansion that I liked. That definitely had some humor and stuff to that moment. The cookie music, the waiting room music. I love that. And so if that was the whole game, I would have loved the game. It reminded me of uh, Beetlejuice. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I am glad that you did 
could play all the way through it, yeah. and I'm glad that you, you, Joe has too, because the game changes drastically. Oh, yeah. Like, if you just sat down for a couple hours and played this game, you would have a much different opinion on what this is. Like, if you never got to, like, the Sky Zone. Yeah. Yeah, it, it completely changed in Chapter 3 for me. Um, I did like the changing between the worlds. We talked talked about that a little bit. But I did like the fact that even some of the items in your inventory changed when you went to the pill world, like the picture of your family, like their eyes are... Like, I never noticed that. Yeah. As, as much detail. I spent like nine hours in this game checking all the different things and reading all the text and everything, and I never noticed the inventory items changed. I don't think it served a purpose, but it changed, which I was like, okay. It was a nice touch. They thought about that, yeah. Uh, and I talked about a little bit this on my live stream, but like right before the puzzle with the date, you go into the room with the fetuses and everything, and they talk about, oh, this fetus never had a chance to live. I was like, oh, is this like pro-life values being added into I the game? Wasn't, I wrote down that note, and I, I didn't put it in my compiled notes. Like I wasn't going to leave it. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm over-reading it. I don't want to get political discussions yeah, or anything. I don't want political discussion. I'm going to leave it out. But you had... You, you saw the same thing, and you had the same reaction I did. And I think the game designers are more like, ooh, dead babies, that's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, here's dead children. But we're not paying attention. I think this is the, if, if you're not paying attention and you're not thinking about it and you're not getting diverse feedback and other people to come look at it and play your game and feedback, you're going to miss that. No, do, you, do you realize you're making pro-life, pro-choice, whatever commentary in this game? You don't intend to. You might not be making it. You said they were from where? Uh, it's, in one of the, uh, it's in the hospital. You go to the horror view, well, and no, then you, you talk to a dead child, and it's like, I never was even born. Well, you said the developers were from... From Sweden, some, so I don't yeah. know if this is an issue in Sweden or not. I don't know if they're pro-life. Yeah, well, it, diversity it might not like, be like in America. That is a very polarized topic, and so yes. anytime you inch close to it or anytime someone can... Because in the next room yeah. is a... Uh, when you flip, there's a skeleton with an umbilical cord down to a baby... And it's just something poor mother. And then you get the idea that um, this this pregnant mother killed herself, hung herself while she was pregnant. Okay? Right. And then that's what, like, maybe sort of back off of, like, okay, maybe they're not making this an explicit, like, I was died because I was killed because I was an abortion. Right. Maybe they're like, my mother died with me in the womb and I didn't get to be born. Mm. That maybe definitely sounds like this. where it was That's why I kind of crossed it off. Oh. But when in Levi had the exact same reaction, I went, no, I'm not invalid in having this thought. But no, cultural American context is like, if someone gets close to that topic, that must be what they're trying to talk and about. And I think uh, the point I'm making yeah. is that if they intended it, okay. But if they did not, if they're like, wow, listening to this and like, well, we didn't mean that at all. Like, that's where you got to get outside your box and have some other people look at it and consider some different things because... The way you look at it is not the way everybody else is going to see it, and you may be putting something in it that's going to mm -hmm. like communicate a political message you didn't mean, or, or make make some weird value thing that you didn't mean. Um, and it's like I don't want that in there. Yeah. And so it's like you could fix it with like a line or two of dialogue, and yeah. it's like okay, you know, something else happened, and that's why I. Died. I think that's important to to us as developers, like things that may not be controversial to us. In other cultures, that could be exactly like a thumbs up is like giving somebody the bird in like some places. So you really got to watch out, especially yeah. like swastikas. It's like, oh, we can put swastikas in games and everything. It's kind of controversial, but it's like against the law in Germany. Germany. So. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, I wasn't going to mention that, but then you had the same reaction, and I was like, okay, there's there's some merit you have to, to get this way. You sometimes have to get way outside your box, further out, outside than you would think, to to kind of vet these things. Yeah. Um, I did like, after every chapter, there was a little mini-game, like a stealth action game or a Frogger-type game. I thought that kind of broke up the just the click and point and all that. Uh <laughs> Made a joke. I thought Fran Bow may be best experienced after drinking lots of Strongbow and alcoholic <laughs> beverage. So, uh, and yeah, not related to the game itself, but I think I sent Mike a tweet on this. Is like after I did my live stream of the first chapter of Fran Bow, I got a YouTube copyright claim just because it had a siren sound. Yes, it's like how can you get a copyright <laughs> like claim some on disco a- mashup or whatever? Yeah. like with the air horn noise. Yeah, because it had a prison alarm siren in it, and I got copyright claimed on it. So I was like, okay, uh, go ahead and delete that out of my video. But okay, so yeah, that's my thoughts on Fran Bow. I thought it was. Okay, it was a unique experience. I'll give it that. Not typically a game that I would play, but something different. It wasn't. It didn't turn out to be what I expected it to go in. I, I give it that. So it was definitely. I, I went in like yeah. I saw the screenshots, but I didn't watch a trailer, so I didn't really know what I was getting into. Uh, but I did like it. Um, we should say because we keep saying like none of us knew what it was going in. Uh, this was uh, Jacob, the the younger kid who picked the games. kid. <laughs> um, well, I'm just explaining how he got here, and he suggested it, and I played the video, and then screenshots like, okay, looks interesting, because I was like tired of us playing really difficult platforming type games. So I was like, we need a break from that for a moment, and this is a click and point adventure, and you can't have a bigger break than that. Um, and so I was like, yes, let's make it the game. Um, and then, and unfortunately, they they've had a death in the family, so they can't be here. Uh, to record it. I don't know if um, Jacob played it. I don't know if Jeffrey knew what it was. I think it was a Game Maker game. Uh, I think, Joe, you said that. It was a Game Maker game. And so it probably appeared on uh, email when it went out, and that's where um, Jacob remembered it from. So he probably didn't see the context of it either. But uh, I would definitely give, like, a parental warning on the game. It's not too terrible of like oh no you can't absolutely but you should definitely be aware of the context and the subject matter that's going on and the art and the imagery used to portray it before like a younger kid's playing this there's game. a lot of slicing very, very cut dark. up bodies very gore i don't know if you're going to mention this but like art slitting of wrist of a yes. like, 10 year old girl I yeah mean, that's kind there's of a lot of like really dark stuff like, implied or spelled out sometimes. Satanic rituals. Like, oh, I really don't want to play this. But it's in a nice 2D cartoony art style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, you would think. So, yeah. So I definitely don't think it's, a, it's a, an immediate allow a kid to play it, but I think it could be played by a kid depending on the kid and depending on the parent and depending on the circumstances. Would you let them watch a gory horror movie? It's somewhere. not as bad as the gory horror movie, but I don't would know. it give them nightmares? <laughs> but... I you're going to have to have some conversations that like slitting wrists, you know, and like what's implied by all of that, you know, uh, and going on there. Um, and also like beyond that, like we're, we're talking abuse of children sexually or is in the game too. Like that's backstory in the game as well. So I would put it's content of subject matter worse than it's actual gore. And that's what I was getting at. I'm like, you know, play that. Nope, hit the microphone. 
We have to field some some hard questions. Yeah, we'll... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it did remind me of like some anime, which they do show on television with the cut up bodies and all that. Um, so the first time I actually had to go to the FAQ was uh, to use the typewriter to adjust the recipe on chapter two. That did not seem obvious to me at all. I, I think I guess clicked. what I got to do it on. <laughs> um, took a long time to figure out to use the recipe for the typewriter. Uh, and it was clear in hindsight, right? That's adventure game logic. Like, okay, it yeah. makes sense in hindsight, but before it didn't do it. And um, I think I, if I, they had typed the recipe list on that sheet, I think that would be enough. Like, everyone I have a complaint about a puzzle, I have a suggestion, right? Change the 31 to a 32. This one, I would put a, a fixed font to make it look like it came from a typewriter for the recipe list. Because even after you typed it on there, it looked different. It looks different. And, you know, I think, uh, a joke, but I can see where, like, you would never put those together. Because that a, took a long time for me to figure that one out. A dialogue line from the, the twins might have been something like, remember, we have to do exactly what the recipe says or something. So kind of give more critical thought to what the paper was. Or the paper actually says, yeah. yeah. Um. I think that the first chapters, even though they were the darker and gorier ones, I think they were the better end of the game for me. Like, gameplay-wise, I feel like the puzzles and everything got a little bit easier. I don't know if it just got more obvious on what to do, but I think they tailored off uh, the item comb- combination thing. I don't, I don't remember having to use that in Chapter 4 or 5 for much. I think four and five were significantly shorter than the previous three chapters. Four and five and got the, into a lot of fetch quest and four, type four items. Was so only like, a go and rooms. you found the key. Okay, you got the key. You there's so many keys in that last level. Yeah. Like, get a key and a key and a key. Get a key and, and a key. Oh, my goodness. And, but there's really puzzle to it. Quick. Yeah. The first couple chapters, I feel like there was a lot more rooms. There was upstairs, downstairs. There was the dark world, the regular world, and... There's more involved, and then towards the end, it felt more just like it was story. So it, the puzzle was an afterthought to the design. Uh, yeah, the second time I had to go to the FAQ was to move the log to let the cat in the hut for, oh. to get to the dance, the ticket. Mm-hmm. I spent probably an hour just clicking on everything on the island trying to figure out how to get in that building. Yeah. I just didn't realize that all you had to do was click the log to move it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, I realized after a while that um, if you went into your inventory to use an item, then you could mouse over and kind of find what in the room was interactable. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't really any clue on what you could click on. Uh, so the first couple chapters, I, I think I was just kind of, click spamming everywhere on the screen just to make sure I didn't it's miss anything. It's common to be able to hit like tab and get like a yeah. highlight view. Yeah, outlines. Like or... this is the things I can click on. They may or may not be items. They may just be descriptionals. But just so you don't, like there was some stuff that I missed um, that I got pissed about because it's like I clicked on a lot of things. And I didn't have to click on that. So like uh, in chapter two, you walk by that pile of junk. Um I think you very quickly clicked on the door. You had the door in your inventory yeah. like immediately. <laughs> I clicked all around. I played the piano. I did all the things. I never got the door. So then using the door to get the well open took a really long time because I didn't know that was a thing I could have clicked on to pick up because it's a pile of trash. 
No, yeah, there's no indicator that you had... That this trash can be picked finished. up and the rest of the trash yeah. is decoration. Because I remember I was following my walkthrough and that's when I came back for my second playthrough. I was like, oh, use the door. And it's like, go go back to the first room and pick up the door. It's like, where is it? Oh, it's already in my inventory. <laughs> so I guess I picked that up at the end of my you first You picked it up like, as soon as you got there. Yeah, and okay. I remember I'm like, oh, that sucks. Because <laughs> I, I had a door handle before I had a door. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then on, another thing... I don't know if this was just me, but I, I memorized that phone number uh, before you had to call it on the thing, and then yeah. and then you open it up and it was already displayed. I right uh, next to I, it. I did like I have a complaint somewhere in here. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> the number of times there was like a sequence or a number or something that you had you could view, but you couldn't view while looking at the puzzle, mm-hmm. right? Like the the mixing the chemicals and all that stuff, like I I wrote that note down of how much that was pissing me off. And the very next puzzle was the phone number, and it put the card right on the screen. I'm like, you're kidding me. You guys are you're killing me here. Yeah, I, I spent like 10 minutes going like, two, one, nine. Okay. And then I was like, all right, I'm ready. I've got it memorized. And then it was displayed. i got to say, that was one of my favorite parts of the game. When you go down to the skeleton nurse, and it's like, oh, do you have an appointment? No, we'll call this number. So you go upstairs, call back down. It's like, okay, can I set an appointment? Yes. Then you go back down. It's like, oh, I have an appointment now. That's like straight comedy, maniac matching type yes, stuff that is. I like. Yes, it is. a good setup, too. Uh, one of the things I did like graphically, like when you went into rooms, they would be like out of focus for a second and then come in. That was like kind of set my... Uh, hair on edge, I guess, and I, it was definitely getting the creepy vibe. Yeah, I, I think, noticed through the whole game there's like that little black border around, so the game doesn't go all the a way. Big to, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that was a nice touch. And it probably was- my favorite thing in the beginning there was just using the pills, and like the first time you're in a new room, and you just don't know what's gonna pop out. Oh and yeah, it, I don't know, it was mostly gruesome, but it was it kept me like entertained i mean i was on the edge of my seat but it was creepy i wanted to know what were they going to do next what was this room going to turn into i wish the pills were involved in puzzles more than they were there's only a few times where you use the pills to solve a puzzle um and there wasn't many times where you could use the pills and see a hint that you didn't see in in the other world um it was mostly like you go in here and then you talk to the spooky things and you find out the history of, of this character or what's wrong with them, but you actually execute everything you need to be a puzzle in the normal view. Um, I like the mechanic. I really think that it's like a cool, and again, with the, the, the season shift, it was a nice, um, interesting, unique mechanic they brought to... Yeah, it kind of reminded me of uh, Link to the Past, just being able to do things in... In one world and then world shift A the and shift to world B and there, see what... There was some room for improvement. It's like when you go up and talk to the mage or the master wizard, whatever, on the mountain. It's like, okay, he has his door open in the winter, but no other season. I didn't see why do you have your door when it's open when it's cold outside, <laughs> but no other season. And I was kind of surprised that, that all the puzzles that they did do, where it took you into a screen to do the puzzle, they were all just one off. Only one, like fixing the cogs on the clock the little sliding puzzle i like that i don't i i was just kind of surprised that they they spent time to develop these puzzle mechanics and then only use them once yeah yeah uh, i was thought maybe they would have done like a smaller intro one and then like a harder that would kind of frustrated me at first because I, I was trying to line up the cogs and it's like oh yeah you got to have the little small cog at the bottom and there wasn't anything that really indicated that this cog goes in this place 
I think it's kind of a good amount of restraint, though, to not, like, okay, we develop a slide puzzle engine, and, like, if it's a AAA game, you know, we're going to use that at every door lock. It's going to be playing this minigame, you know? <laughs> You're going to hack the computer by playing this minigame, you know? Um, so it's a, it's a good amount of restraint, but um, they could have done it a couple more times, and I think what you said would be the way to do it, of, like, here's, like, a much simpler slide before we, like, throw you into it. Because it was a Four by four, sixteen, or maybe it was a five by five slide. Like it was not yeah, a and small there was amount like of slide. A, a fixed, and there were some fixed points, yeah. and yeah. Um, if well, that was your introduction to a slide puzzle concept, they, <laughs> there was a lot thrown at you at once. There was actually an indie game called Cogs that came out a few years ago, where it's like three D and you spin around this cube and you put the cogs. It's the exact same game. So if you're into cog sliding action, <laughs> that, check out Cogs. <laughs> but uh, I. I enjoyed it. So, I mean, it was, it took me about eight hours to, to play through. I can tell from the Steam achievements that there are some different things that can happen. Uh, just reading the descriptions on them that I didn't see happen. Yeah, because I was using the guide. So, yeah. I was picking those up uh, as I went. Like, if you check off one of the components when you're making the chemistry set and you check that off, I think that gives you achievement. Then, not to use the syringe immediately at the end, you close the door and then there's like a picture on the wall you can look at it. And I think you get an achievement for that as well. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's I, not I, enough to make me want to replay it, though. That's No, that's, I, I don't think this is something I would replay. Um, I took eight to nine hours to play through it. The first time, and a lot of that was because I was really trying to read all the descriptions and, you know, get all the content out of it. So I, overall, I was liking the the story, um, but I did play it on uh, a DGOG DRM free version. So I don't think I have any achievements whatsoever. There might be a menu in game I can see them, um, but there was no like pop ups because uh, I bought it on sale on GOG the week before it went on sale on Steam on the Steam sale. Um, there was one hidden achievement when you meet the skeleton guy, which I can't remember, isn't it Mr. Ingway or something like that? Mm-hmm. And you're in the little flying contraption thing. There's an arcade machine like right next to his little pedal bike there. And one of the hidden achievements is to break the arcade machine. My guy says, oh, you just play it three times and defeat the boss. I played that stupid arcade game. And it's just, <laughs> just like a little Space Invaders, but I played it like... T- Four or five times. Oh, wow. And each time I played it, there's like three levels, and it just never I remember popped. playing it once and thinking like, okay, this might be a thing, and then never getting back to it. And the controls were kind of weird. You had the one joystick, and it auto-shoots for you, but just getting like the joystick to move in the right way was a little awkward at first for me. So, um, okay, my notes. Overall, uh, initially it had a, for me, it had a very dark Alice, very similar to like American McGee's Alice uh, vibe. There was an Alice reference. There, there was yeah. an explicit one, yeah, later. I was um, thinking when you went down into the door on the second chapter, that was kind of like Alice in Wonderland right there. When you take the door that you find at the beginning, it was like, oh, that's well, kind of like going through Actually, that's the-, the point where this game really stopped being like um, Dark Alice to me um, and was really Pan's Labyrinth, uh, which is a, a Guillermo del Termo film. If you've not seen it, it's an amazing little film uh, set in a very similar time frame. It's set in like a World War II era. Uh, set in, in like um, Mussolini, Spain, and um, the father is killed in the war, and the mother is like there's like a general or something, and 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 that has his eye on her, and she's basically like, well, for me and my daughter, this keeps us out of like the camps and everything. So yeah, I'm gonna marry the man that killed her husband, and the the story Pan's Labyrinth is through the vision of Pan. And she goes into this 
really alternate reality creepy horror monsters, but like in Frambo, in Pan's Labyrinth, the grotesque features or whatever don't really determine um, evil or good. It's like more often in Pan's Labyrinth, the really grotesque-looking thing is good and helping Pan and the humans, the normal people, are the evil ones in, in her world because, like, that's who's really doing her harm and ruining her world and all that stuff, you know, is, is people. And the monsters are good. Uh, and so the movie sort of, I don't want to spoil it, it has, has a good ending to it. Um, but especially when they started going down the well in Chapter 2, because that's where Pan goes into her fantasy world. She goes down this well, and then there's a tunnel at the bottom of it, and with a little door, and she's in her little creepy snake, disgusting fantasy world um, with its game. I don't know if they um, developers took any inspiration from that, but I mean, it, it lines up really strong. Uh, the mental hospital, you know, mental hospital is scary, is, is a really overused trope in horror. Uh, I was at least glad to see they didn't stay there. They left. Because yes. um, too often that's just like crazy people who are scary, you know. It's just like a bad trope that's overused. Um, and I'm kind of not like thrilled when I see that again, you know. Um, the gameplay is a very simple click and point adventure system. The game relies heavily on its story and art, um, which is okay. It's well-drawn, and the story is well-told. The dialogue is well-written, um, except for the ending. I don't know what you guys thought. I just thought the ending completely threw off the rails, made zero sense of what was going on, of any of it. I, I kept thinking never-ending story. I mean, the big dog creature, she flies off. And yeah, she and it's just like, and- that didn't fit anything. <laughs> I was expecting, and I'm okay that they subverted my expectations, but I was expecting her to, like, wake up in the hospital, and, you know, she's been in a coma, or, like, turns out, like, this is... I mean, it's implied at one point that she did kill her parents... Or at least her body did. That was confusing. Under the control of the equal spirits. Yeah. But I was waiting for the reveal of like, no, she killed her parents and like, this is her co- method of coping. The game is dark enough to have gone there. Um, uh, but this of, never-ending story ending with all the things, and they just start talking about time and multidimensional universes. I kind of like the idea that uh, maybe she never did leave the asylum. And when you have that scene where she's talking to herself and tied to the bed and you kind of get a glimpse of her still in the asylum there. And then because you found that gun way back in chapter one in the nurse's cabinet, that maybe this whole thing was her three day coma that she was in post post the pills that yeah. knocked her out. And, uh, like, and that like maybe whatever happened there, that last scene is, is her attacking her, and when she comes to visit and getting shot by the doctor. There's nothing in the text to support that reading. No, you know? no, I just kind of, I think there's, there's it's like I Mass Effect on, indoctrination theories. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's nothing in the game to support the theory as much as you might like to believe that's the answer. Well, that's just the only gun we saw was in that room, and maybe she was chained to her bed, and that was it. Like, yeah, everything just yeah. is. But so, then there was also the thought that uh, the bicycle in chapter four when she crashes in the woods, like 
there are the remnants of the bicycle, so maybe she was just riding her bike through the woods. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, maybe she's dying in the woods, you know? And then, The like, original... Is... And they did say that. Like, she froze in the woods after, like, her parents yeah. were slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm not understanding how all this lines up together. Well, they didn't explain it yet. <laughs> yeah, the, the um, ending didn't help. And it's like, I don't need a, I don't need a nice bow on like the explanation i like some open-ended questions but like you didn't even go for like a direction or even like is she alive is she dead just, is like this i said real? you got on falcor and you rode off and it's just like multi-dimensions and time travel and all is real and what is going on yeah. okay like all right um Mechanics. Um, I, I sort of group up my notes as I, I tend to do. So mechanics and systems. Um, yay for autosave. Yes. The game had autosave, and I much appreciate that. Like, there's no reason for me to have to, like, deal with saves. And then, of course, if you have saves in a system like this, then you start save scumming. because Scum, VM, that's where we get the term from of, like, oh, like you were talking about uh, Ken and Roberto Williams. They're notorious for, like, oh, did you miss this item on the third screen at the very beginning? Sorry, you've lost the game. You won't know that for eight hours, though. Um, so at least auto saving not only makes takes it away, you don't have to worry about it, but just tells me we're not doing that because you don't have access to a save system to even go back in time. So don't worry about it. If you miss something, you'll be able to go back and get it. We won't let you miss something critical. Um, there is weird adventure game logic um, that needs explanation, and that wasn't there. Like you got some black candles and you got some matches. And as many times I wanted to combine them, heck, you go into a dark room at one point, like, hey, I need to light this room before I could do it. Well, like, well, I have matches and I have a candle. Yeah. I, you know, and I think, you know, just some better dialogue uh, other than, like, this doesn't work or can't do this or I can think of another path. Like, these are generic. If they put some custom work into that to say, like, I think I should save these candles for something else, would tell me okay, that's not a solution to the puzzle that I'm just doing wrong. I'm just doing, do I have to combine the candles to the matches or the matches to the candles? Do I have to try to set the candles down, then light them? You know, like what's, am I just not figuring out your order of operations? If you were to put a line of dialogue that just indicated that's not it, you tried it, congratulations, but it's not it. Then but these candles are filled with black magic and can only be used in seances or whatever. Just yeah. something to imply that. Um. Or, you know, like, hey, I don't think the candle will give me enough light. Because you end up flipping a light switch in that room. Um, pixel hunting seemed mostly absent, but it does appear. And then we talked about needing a method to highlight everything, and I missed the door because, you know, it, it just was the scenery. Um, it's not too bad in that. Like, most things that you expect to be able to interact with, you just interact with, and there's not too many situations where it's like, this is just hidden in the scenery. I mean, it's not a hidden object game, so... Um, there were many key loops and some of them quite literal. So a key loop in game design is when you come up to a door or something that gates your progress and you do a big thing that leads you back in a circle back to that door and then you unlock it. And it's like, these are bad game-wise because I just feel like I wasted a lot of time because I made no progress. I just did a whole bunch of little side stuff to move on that didn't i'm not moving forward and some of these were quite literal of like getting to a locked door and needing to find the key um and i felt like this kind of padded the time 
Um, the wizard ritual is a really good example of this bad design because in the wizard ritual, you and you were doing it with the facts, so it's bed up for a lot for you. Yeah. I just remember going up to that mountain like 10 times. Like, yes. Okay, again. You'll collect five items. Can I get a little warp up here to the top of the mountain or something? You collect five items, and you arrange them, okay? Five keys, basically. You get them, and you get your five keys. And like, okay, let's do the thing. Now, for each key you got, go get another key. And I'm like, I've gone up and down this stupid mountain so many times in the same zone, and this is the same puzzle I just did. It was find five items, talk to this person. Will you give me the item I need? No. Okay, let me figure out how I got to get in there. You know, oh, the, the ticket. Like, <laughs> so what fussed me to me about getting into the dancer to get the dancer's shoes, right, um, to get into the dance hall, uh, wasn't, I, I had messed with the wood in the right season. I think I just got lucky. <laughs> um, and so I knew I could get in the back there. But it was that I had tried to combine the crown with my ticket. Yeah, I numerous thought numerous times. I'm like, well, I have it. It calls it a ticket. I got a crown that for some reason didn't get taken out of my inventory when everything else did, and it won't let me combine it until I have seen another ticket. And again, dialogue would have felt a lot better here. Of like, if it just would have said, well, it's like, well, I could make this into a ticket, but I don't know what one looks like. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, okay, I understand why I'm looking for a ticket now. I understand why I'm going for all this. But because it was just like, that doesn't work. Oh, now it works. And it's like, why does it work now? You know, like you're not explicitly telling me because I saw this other ticket. It seems really arbitrary. My, my misled on that one was uh, that the wizard mentions that he has a ticket that he won't let you have. So I was starting to think that I had to steal the wizard's ticket, ticket or, or get find him it to get it to you somehow in his room somewhere. Yeah, and then uh, the the second part of that was I went and looked at the Steam achievement text uh, at some point, and I'd seen that there was a Steam achievement for giving back yes. a stolen ticket. So that really double reinforced. I was so trying to steal to, the wheel, oh, okay. steal the wizard's ticket, and then, I did give back the ticket. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know there was an achievement or anything for it. I did give it back, but I can see, yeah, again misleading and then uh yeah i i had no idea i was way off by the time i had gone to look and see that i just had to move that and send the cat in there i didn't think of that as an option at all we i don't think we had done that with the cat yeah um did we have we played with the cat at that point uh, i think to, you get like a rock or something that you put it in the cog so you we hadn't been able to like send the cat in somewhere yeah i a, did like the um i probably have a note later but i did like the sequences um, I, you know, the mini games breaking up, but also playing as a cat for a bit, because I mean, well, the, the most times you did that at one point, you pick up French person, you have the inventory, but before you do that, like you don't have any inventory and mm-hmm. it's just like a nice little like mental relief of like, oh, I'm the cat. I have no inventory. There's <laughs> nothing to combine with nothing or, you know, like the cat can carry one thing at a time. So the, the puzzles are going to have to be a lot simpler at this moment, and it was just a nice pacing break from having, like, seven items in my inventory and not knowing where these things go or, you know, what to do. Um, the worst key loop in the game is the shovels. Because, I don't know if you remember or not, you do a lot of garbage with bugs in the shed and going out and figuring out to slash open the uh, seat cu- cushions to, to take a leather strap so 
bugs can mate, I guess, is what yes, you're doing. I mean, back and the pine cones. Yeah, yeah the, the pine cones. I don't <laughs> want to know what the bugs are doing with the leather and the pine cones, but it's okay. And it's like, oh, here's a shovel. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not for our podcast. Um, but then the shovel wasn't even there. The That's, shovel wasn't even there. Yeah. All you had to do was kill time. And then the um, the world's worst psychiatrist, I think I have it noted somewhere down, of just like, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll get it when I get to my note. But he just comes back with two shovels now. Um, uh, so I, that really was annoying. It's like I did nothing <laughs> to, to progress this puzzle. I just, I could have walked away. I should have been able to walk away, go make a cup of tea and come back. And the three minute timer elapsed and he came back with the shovels. So, um, mini games, I talked about that. Play as a cat, I talked about that. Um, quick access to inventory. So a lot of modern inventory uh, games do this where you can either slot items into a particular, like, get cursor slot so I could roll through a particular item. So if I was trying something in different spots in the room, I'd have to keep going back to the menu to get the item and select it again and try it here. Okay, kick back, go to the menu, try it again. That would have been really helpful with the knife and matches. I know you use yeah. the knife a lot in the game. Yeah, and just being able to, like, maybe you mouse over to an edge of the window and your inventory slides up of, like, maybe when I click on one of these things and use it would have been nice. Um, there's a lot of things that are more modernized. Slotted inventory seems like one of those things that as a game designer, it would be hard to think of because as the designer, you know, each of these items has one purpose. For the player, they don't. And yeah, you're you, you only understand that if, if you... I do like that they destroyed the item when it was completed, when it was used. Whenever you, you had used the item, it's last time or wherever it goes, it was removed from your inventory just so I don't have to keep trying this, you know, everywhere else. Um, oh, the, the forest scrolling section, I don't know if you guys got through it. It took me about eight times to make that last jump. And I was really frustrated at, like, why do we have pixel-perfect jumping in an adventure game? I like the monotony break of the Force Scroller. Um, if, you did the ma- if you got to the maze quick enough, the robotic cat was in front of you and showed you the path. You could just oh. follow it out. Um, so I did that. I saw on your stream, you, it got off screen before you noticed it was there. So I was like, these aren't the point of the game. But that last jump, man, if you did it, if you did it where the cat did the jump, you missed every time. I think it took me t- three or four tries. I would have liked a checkpoint because it kept going all the way back to it the beginning. It went all the way back to yeah. the beginning. I had the time. most problems with the first jump. I had to. I messed up two or three times on that. Then, like the last time, I was able to get all the way through. So but, the first one where you had to jump from the log over the bigger gap. But it was like yeah. pixel perfect. You had to wait till your foot was like right at the <laughs> ledge to jump. Um, we talked about this. Too many puzzles are long combinations spelled out. In an inventory item or another screen that you can't access the same time as you're working on the puzzle. And then I do have my note, irony, after making this, I got the call the nurse puzzle where Fran holds a card while dialing. <laughs> um, so also, this was two different puzzles, I think, where you went up and you had to interact with the faucet. And they're like, well, I could do this if the water was turned on. Turn the freaking water on, Fran. Like, I shouldn't have to, like... Go up to the sink, use the pot on the sink, and it not just turn the water on. I shouldn't have to click, turn the water on, now use the pot on the sink. And this happened again in the final stage with, the, like, the hose. Um, Look up by next to the bathroom. The water balloons. Yeah, the water balloons. Use the water balloons on here. I'm like, I could do this if the water was on. Turn it on, because it's one click, you know? <laughs> just 
do something, girl. Like, like do something. Pull your weight here. Uh, I'm supposed to be learning to save you from this, and I'm not building that empathy feeling right now, okay? Um, so story and art. Um, I thought it, it was good that the first use of color in the game was blood. So, like, it's black and white until blood appears. I think it's a good, nice uh, tension. Used a lot, but um, I still think it's a good uh, way to introduce that. I actually like the small dialogue choices um, that I don't think have any impact on the game. Now, some of them were just, like, in this conversation. You know, like, to skip you from going through it again. But, like, when you talk to an NPC 90% of the time, there's no difference in dialogue. After... I played through it and I was watching your stream though, and you made the um the the cake with the sleeping pills in yes. it. I realized I never used that thing. I did the same thing you did. I threw the coffee on the guy, which I loved. I love the little like I love Fran's like sarcastic like deal with also the dude was kind of skeezy and everything like that. So um I didn't feel bad for him. But apparently those dialogue choices mattered. And if you oh, okay. wanted to give him the cake, you had to answer in a way he was going to trust you to take it. I think that was another hidden achievement if you got past the guard some other way using the cake, which I didn't figure out. Um, but most part, they didn't do anything, but I felt they added a lot to the narrative of my friend and my playthrough. I could choose to be nicer. I could choose to be more sarcastic. And of course I went through sarcasm every time. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, I, I like that. I thought that added a little bit without having to have like a deep dialogue system and meaningful choices and remember states and everything like that. And Fran will remember this decision type stuff. Um, I thought her writing was really well. It was very childlike, yet showing out intelligence. I feel like they nailed that difficult balance of like, this is a very smart kid, but they can't talk like an adult. They're not going to have the grammar and the language of an adult. So the phrases and the way she described things um, felt very um, well written. Um, I like that. I don't know if you guys noticed. Fran's dress is a straight jacket. Oh, I did notice like the little buckles yeah, on, on the, the back. Bu- the, like, the, 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 on the back, they're yeah. not like dress straps. They're actually um, straight jacket snaps. I, did not, I didn't notice that. Uh, I thought that was subtle, but uh, <laughs> nice. Um, I like the uh, idle animations. If you just let them sit there for a bit, they have some neat little idle animations. Uh, and the cat starts looking at itself. Like I didn't notice that. Like <laughs> yeah. a cat would. <laughs> It's just one leg goes up and that cat goes down. Um, so uh, I liked that there was many variety in the settings that we visited. It broke up the game sections quite nice. Um, the tree zone felt the longest and had the most content padding. However, it was the biggest um, departure in like setting for the game. The trees up in the um, sky zone. Um, I do like one of the lines uh, fan. Basically, it just, I don't think she said it this exact way, but the line basically was, I'm not crazy because my cat told me so. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, I just thought that was really good writing there. Oh, yes. Do the honors of opening the coffins. Said by a children's psychologist to an 11-year-old. And by the way, the, the coffins are her dead parents. We just want to yeah. make sure they're actually in their coffins. And I'm like, you're the worst psychologist, children's psychologist of the year award right here. You know, we're already taking an 11 year old out to dig up graves and her parents. parents, And you're like, go ahead and you open the coffins first. 
you know? <laughs> that did throw me for a loop that you saw the two dead parents and the cat. I was expecting, because I thought the psychiatrist said, oh, this is where your parents and you are buried. But it's the cat instead, so it's like, oh, is the it's, cat yeah. and Fran all one creature being? Or? Again, no payoff. Yeah. yeah. Is the cat um, even real? They kind of left it or is open. that her split personality? Because there's a lot of talk in, in the game. There's a lot of dialogue of like, no, no, Fran, your cat died. Yeah, there is no cat. Yeah. Um. Oh, and this this is the Alice reference. Fran's fin- friend in the photo is named Alice. She's holding a cat and has a big smile. The cat has a big smile on it, and she goes on these wonderful adventures. Um. So there was a, a little Alice. Nod. The cat had the the Cheshire smile. Cheshire grin. Yeah, yeah, going on it. So um, I like that. Um. Let's see. Did we not talk about a puzzle I had a gripe on? Let's see. Um. We talked about the door code. <laughs> We talked about the recipe in the typewriter. Um, oh, the big rose. That one annoyed me because I took forever to freaking find that. And that was just find this one item with the season set. when there's there's like 12 screens on that, maybe yeah, I think more. That one would have been my uh, door for that because I think I just picked it up on the way by somewhere. Or you just had, had it set it, to the yeah. right. Yeah, so that was my getting yeah. in the... the um, the, the one in the back because it's like so you got like 12 screens every screen has four states that may or may not have a single item that you may or may not see to pick up you know so um i, I think gets, i spent a good 20 minutes on that arm robot thing too before it mattered like, oh I, yeah with the wand yeah, yeah. Well, just cause messing it, with it yeah because i found it so i was like well what does this do yeah so yeah like I, I did mess with that a lot before <laughs> i realized there was a puzzle to come later on that one um, the library password given by Fran from the wizard didn't match the password she gave to the guy. I don't know. It just bothered me a lot. You know, if like, if you have a password, then make somebody say the actual password, not just the gist of the password, not like, oh, like, it's kind of this. Um, but it's it was like, like a really long saying or something of the tree like people. But Army of Darkness, when Ash goes up, it's like recite the three words Nectuvarata. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, I, was, I went up there. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't memorize this password. I'm hoping I don't have to go back and like <laughs> read it again. Or <laughs> it was so long, I was like, there's no way. I'm just gonna have a dialogue option. But then it wasn't what he just said. That just bothered me. That just really bothered me. Um, and that's it, the misleading ticket solution to the Dancers Club because I couldn't use the, um, the green text. But um, I mean, overall, it is a decent um, adventure game. I think some UI tweaks um, would be the top of my change for like maybe easier access to inventory and maybe um, tabbing to highlight interactables. And I think the other issues are still worth like maybe addressing, but not critical. I think uh, it's a decent game. It has, has a decent story, but it doesn't have a decent resolution um, to it. I, it keeps its suspense and its, its intrigue going quite well. Because um, that it word guy, he's referenced um, like when you see the blood writing in the insane asylum, um, there is it word written. And then the psychiatrist at points makes reference to Edward. The kids keep uh, talking about Edward, and it's like, no, no, that's Edward. So, like, there's some good narrative glue throughout the thing that you might notice um, on a second player through or something like that. But um, I think that uh, will do it for Frambo. Um, and our, our thoughts on that. Um, once again, our next game is going to be uh, Anodyne, and then after that is going to be... Um, Barony. 
Barony. Thank you, uh, Dylan, for remembering that. But uh, so here to take us out, run around the room again, and uh, Levi, where can everybody find information? Uh. Um, what you're up to and what you're doing. Uh, LeviDSmith.com Levi is the website. Check it out. Also have, if you're into Sokoban, Ichiban Sokoban is now on Greenlight. Go and vote it up or leave a vulgar comment. Either way, it's fine with me. <laughs> so this is the one the that, internet that, that, that downloads. One the you can download Ichiban puzzles from the web. Yes. Um, and just play them in the game. Exactly. So, so you just download really cool. text I think that's really cool, yeah. Them. Uh, DylanWolf.com or DylanWolf on Twitter. I uh, just released uh, Shifty Shapes on Google Play, which was uh, my uh, Let Them Dare entry from last jam. I can't remember when it was. I was trying to think of the month. Um, so that's up there for 99 cents. It's pretty cool. It has achievements and leaderboards and all that stuff. I played it quite a bit last night. All right, uh, I'm at www.doublesquarellc.com or on Twitter at DoublesquareJoe. Uh, I got links on there to go. Uh, I got apps out in the Play Store. They're all free um, and soon on iOS, hopefully by next meeting. And they're under uh, Double Square. Is Double Square is on like, Google yeah. Play. If you search for that, you'll probably find them. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, I have a company page set up on the Play Store too. So if you click on one, you can get to the rest from there. Uh, or I have it as a pinned tweet on my name too. So, yeah. All right. Um, you can find me at vinyl.com, V I N U L L, and also the same at Twitter. Uh, I don't have any game projects at the moment because I've been working on getting my Code Stock Talk uh, up and done. I'll be giving. Um, if you've seen the talk I've given for five years now, I think, uh, Quest for Fun, this is finally part two is here. Uh, now, whether it's going to be the weak middle chapter of a trilogy or it'll just, like, I don't know yet. I don't know. Uh, but I've been working on that. So Code Stock is um, this coming weekend, the 14th, 15th, or 15th, 16th, or whatever this weekend is coming, um, is, is Code Stock. Uh, this month, you'll also be able to catch uh, game design chat. Will be at Codestock. We're going to have a panel on um, game jams and just participating in game jams and some of that from our experiences. I think so, it's Friday afternoon, right? Friday 1 at twelve fifty-five. Twelve fifty-five. Yes, close to one. Uh, very close to one p.m. So if you're at Codestock, you can drop down there. I'm going to try to record the pod. I'm going to try to record the panel and post it as a podcast uh, so that we can share it out on on this this as well. So look forward to that. Um, the other thing is if, if you want to watch me, uh, swear at video games, you can go over to these are video games, um, on YouTube. Um, it's also, you can go to these are video games.com, but it's still a hello world WordPress site. So I don't know what that'll get you. It doesn't even have a link to the YouTube channel, <laughs> but on the channel, um, I wrapped up the, um, uh, shadow of the Colossus playthrough. And then I've got my videos up of uh, Paragon going up, in addition to John's playing Dark Souls. And then coming up to the channel soon, more Dark Souls. Uh, I'm playing the DLC of Dark Souls 2, which I'd never played before. And so I'm, I'm running through that. So it's like a mini, mini Souls series because, you know, you can't have too much. You can't have too many Dark Souls games uh, up there on that. So... Um, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you like the show, um, you're listening to us on Google Play or iTunes, um, and you feel up to it, leave us a rating or review um, on the podcast networks. That can really help uh, people discover 
uh, that does a lot to um, help people discover. And I don't think it really matters whether, you know, you don't have to give us a positive review to help people discover it. So if there's like something that we do that you're not quite fond of, we go too long, or uh, we talked way too much about Pokemon Go at the beginning of this podcast, and that really just rubs it all. And you want to leave that in the comment, just go ahead and just know that that activity is the, um, the metric, not necessarily that we have a great review. Um, but if you want to write a great review too, I'm not going to turn that down. So um, thank you guys, everyone, for listening, and um, tune in next month for Anodyne.